Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Let me turn my air conditioning on a little bit. It is getting warm out here. Alexa, set the upstairs thermostat to 70 degrees. The EC is set to 70. Okay. Oh, lovely. Ready to rock. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh, someone's doing all right. They got Alexa to the heating down. I got Alexa's everywhere. Oh, well, shall we? <laughs> Alexa, up? stop listening. She's a sneaky little, you know what? She likes to <laughs> eavesdrop on me. <laughs> on Cultaholic Island. Uh, it has taken roughly 497 years to get this interview together, but my lord, we are here. Uh, somebody that has made a whole bunch of headlines with, a, with a, a story like no other and a journey back we are buzzing to see. I am joined by the one and only Gabby Tuft. Gabby, how you doing? I'm great, but by my account, I think it was like 479 years or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> So, so Gabby is Gabby is in such demand at the moment that I think I've I've had so many back and forths uh, with Courts, uh, who is looking after your business. Like my if this, PR team, yeah, your, your wonderful PR team. That if it was me trying to arrange a date, I'd assume that I was being ghosted, and I would have got the hint a while ago. <laughs> Now, wait a second. Is, are you actually asking me out on a date? Is that what's going on? I, I mean, we problem. we could, but but with my wife next door, it's probably it might not oh, look as good. Oh, well, that's okay. I've done that too. She can join. Oh, oh there you go. In that case, we'll, we will both love to take you out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've been working on your own podcast, so this is a big revelation. So I have. So, so how have you found that cathartic experience about talking about uh, everything's going on with you and getting back up to speed with wrestling? Okay, so wait, are we talking about my podcast? Are we talking about wrestling? What do you want to start well, with? Well, let's plug your podcast to start with. My, oh, I love it. Just give me plugs in the beginning. That's absolutely great. Uh, so yeah, I decided to start a podcast. It's called The Glow Podcast, G-L-O. It's short for Guided Lifestyle Optimization. And you know, I do online fitness and nutrition coaching. I've got several coaches underneath me that I've hired. And my goal with the podcast was to get real sciencey, you know, because that's what I do. I'm a scientist. And I'm a licensed sports nutritionist. I've been doing this for 20 years. I did my first one. We did a Zoom and I was like, okay, maybe that's kind of okay. And then, then I started having my guests on and it just went from anything but science to like a whole bunch of fun. So what it really ended up being was I, 
I'm interviewing celebs. Anybody with minimum following they can have is a million uh, on social media. So we've got like your favorite influencers. We've got celebrities. I'll bring them on and we just pull back the veil because everybody sees, you know, what's in front of them, the camera, that personality they put on kind of like wrestling, but nobody gets a chance to really pull back that veil and see their, their story on who they are as a human. So that's what we do. We go deep, we laugh, we cry, we have a good time, bring a box of tissues, you know, the whole nine yards. So uh, we, we've done some really cool people. We've done uh, Blair White, Eden the Doll, Big Sexy 81 from TikTok. Uh, Chavo Guerrero was just here a couple days ago. So we podcasted with him. Sherry was kind of hanging by his wife and kind of chiming in. Um, we have Heidi LeVon and Mama Top flying out tomorrow. And then for season two, I've uh, been in chats with uh, Jesse Lawless and Jenna Jameson. So wow. we've got, yeah, we've got some fun names coming up. So how do these names uh, uh, fall in your lap? Are these people that you've crossed, <laughs> past, crossed paths with over, over time? Is it just a case of you punching oh, yeah. out and saying, hey, come on, come and have a chat? Yeah, it's basically through social media, through either Instagram or TikTok. It's funny, we end up commenting on each other's stuff and you kind of start feeling like you know each other. Then you shoot a DM like, hey, babe, I love your stuff. And you get into a conversation. And before you know it, you've got like a social media friend. And then I'm just, I just reach out. I'm like, hey, uh, I just started a podcast. I would love to have you on. And they're like, yeah, let me do it. So I fly all my guests out. I pay for their flights, their hotels, everything. and get them out here to the studio, the home studio. And we pod and it's great. Amazing. And that's kind of what we're doing now. We're not in the home studio, but we're metaphorically on a on a desert island uh, where we ask you to bring some wrestling matches that have some some significance to you, Gabby. Now, uh, but, you know, to show you, you know, behind the curtain on this uh, before we started, I think uh, obviously you say you've been out of out of the wrestling loop for so long now that I was. <laughs> we can we're, we're going to try and get three as we go. <laughs> I've dipped my toe back in. You want me to talk about three matches that I wasn't in? That you weren't in, yeah. That I wasn't. <laughs> so I, mean, so I hit my head for a living in my last job. <laughs> like, three on, matches that you real? somewhat remember. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, I mean, so and so three matches I wasn't in, yeah. and you want like something that had some significance to me? Yes, I mean, I mean, here's a great one to start with. Can you remember the the first the, one of the early matches that you watched that made you fall in love with wrestling? Oh, good lord! That made me. Are we talking like when I was a child? Or are we talking yeah, about when I kind of got back? When I was... Let's go all the way back. Oh my God! So I used to watch wrestling as a child. I had a big hiatus between like probably preteen and like mid to late twenties when I started getting into wrestling. Actually. So I miss, you know, I miss the whole attitude era for the most part. But as a kid, I came from like Hogan and Macho Man. And um, I don't I don't think there was a specific match. But I, what I can tell you is that as a child, freaking Undertaker scared the shit out of me. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can cuss on your uh, podcast, but I just yeah, did. But I, I remember just like seeing his eyes roll back in the back of his head. And I was just like quaking in my boots. I would like put my hands in front of my face. I do it now, but I got big old man hands. So I'm not going to do that. Um, so <laughs> everybody's on the videos. Like, let me see your hands. Um, <laughs> hands reveal I, I now. Just, I'd have nightmares of this guy. And then, uh, you know, here, here it was. 20 something years later at Raw 1000, I was in the ring with them. It was such a, a, a moment. Uh, but from my childhood, yeah, you know, I was 10 and eight, eight and 10 years old. I can't remember a single freaking match <laughs> from that, that young. Um, I remember Brutus and Barbara Beefcake scaring the crap out of me. <laughs> I think the more, the things I will be able to remember are things from like my time 
on the roster because those are still oh. kind of fresh with whatever you know whatever brain cells i got left <laughs> <laughs> i mean you, you mentioned undertaker there as uh as, as as somebody that that scared the shit out of you growing up. Oh yeah, oh, and, yeah, totally. And, and there you are, Raw One Thousand. Uh, it's you guys marching to the ring to uh, to get a battering from the Undertaker of memory serves on Raw One Thousand. Yeah. <laughs> did yeah. you did, did you get to to you know what were some of your interactions backstage like like with Undertaker like either before that segment such, or previous? Such an amazing day. Uh, Taker had come to me several times and given me some advice. Kind of, I don't want to say he took me under his wing, but there was a there was a period of you know a couple months when he was ringside, and when I would I would get in there before uh, before TV started. They had the ring up, and then we'd roll around and practice. Take would come out and he'd just be like, Rex, do this, try this, try this, try that. I'm like, okay, sure. Taker's giving me advice, no problem. <laughs> and I worked pain many times on house shows, which was always it was so easy. You know, it's game. It's like, you don't got to do anything. It's a big red machine. So Raw 1000 comes around and it's Hawkins and I were teaming at the time. And we get the call from, I don't remember who it was, one of the little guys running around and they're like, hey, Kane and Take want to see you in TVL, which is TV locker room. I said, okay. So they grabbed us. They grabbed Drew. They grabbed Jinder and Unico. And we're like, what's going on? Like, what's what's the deal? So we go in there and uh, take and 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 Kane are in there. They go, okay, guys, look, we got a thing we're going to do tonight. It's big. We don't trust anybody except you guys. It's like we, we looked at everybody. You guys are the only ones we trust to do this. And I'm like, oh, all right. Little, little pat on the back, little one of these. Like inside, I'm like, I'm that 10-year-old kid screaming like, really? You know? <laughs> But outside, I'm all calm and collected. We're like, okay, what's up, dude? Tell us what's up. And they basically kind of outlined how they were going to have the Brothers of Destruction reunite. And we were going to come in and interrupt the whole thing and then jump in and start pummeling them. But they were going to get the best of us. I'm like, okay, cool. So, uh, you know, Taker was like, just just look for me. I'll, I'll throw a punch or two at you or something like that. And we'll get you out of the ring when it's time. I'm like, okay, I've done this with Kane so many times in, in, in house shows and battle royals. I'm like, Psst. Easy. So we slide in on our time. We jump them. Uh, Kane gets the better of me. And I remember I'm just laying in a corner. I just taking a big punch and I see Taker and he's got that glimmer in his eye. I'm like, Oh, here it comes. This is my turn. <laughs> and so I remember I just fed as fast as I got up. I fed for a punch as fast as I could. I saw him winding back and I'm like, here's my jaw. Just hit me. I know it's TV. <laughs> And he just popped me one. I'm like, okay, childhood dream accomplished. Done. I'm just going <laughs> to mark that off the list. And then Kane took me out after that. Just, it was just over the top rope clothesline. And I just remember sitting there on the ground like, yeah, that just happened. That was pretty cool. That was a cool moment to be part of. It was great. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a mania match. But for me, you know, being in the ring for less than four years, I, you know, I'm like, that's pretty freaking cool. Like, I'll take that as a win. Your your wrestling show, you mentioned that there. It went from naught to hundred because you uh, you made your debut in two thousand seven. You were in WWE the year the year after. Were you surprised how quickly all that moved along? Oh, very. And I, so actually, the the time frame was FCW, so development, two thousand eight, February first, two thousand eight, and then my official debut was I think it was June two thousand nine on ECW. I was a surfer guy, like dreadlock gimmick and. Just did not go over well. So they ripped me off of TV. You're like, this ain't working. You know, you're too big. And like the heels are so small with guys like Dolph. Dolph's amazing. But you got guys Dolph size beating the crap out of me for the heat and me trying to like, please cheer for me with the crowd. It just, they just weren't <laughs> buying it, you know? 
<laughs> most of the roster was smaller than me at the time. Uh, so they pulled me off. They go, hey, have you ever worked heel? I'm like, nope, never. And I'm like, I had, I had a year in FCW, guys. I'm like, all I did was learn how to wrestle and be a baby face. They go, okay, well, work with Arnhem Fit and uh, we'll see how you do. Okay. So that's how we started developing like the, the dreadlock, Tyler Rex, like the evil character. And one day I'm just doing dark matches. You know, I was like the king of darks at the time. I could just kind of tell they just kept pushing me out there. Dark, 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 dark. Every, every Raw, every SmackDown, I'm like dark, dark, dark. I did like two months of darks, maybe three months of darks. And then one day Arn walks out. Uh, it was a, uh, it was SmackDown and it's two days before bragging rights pay-per-view. And Arn walks down, we're doing rehearsals, and I'm just sitting there ringside, like, you know, going, eh, maybe I got a dark tonight again. He's like, all right, Rex, well, you're on the show. I'm like, oh, cool, what, like superstars? He's like, no, you're on the show. Uh, and you're in the pay-per-view. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And so apparently the way it went, they're in the production meeting. And Vince is listening to the writers and the producers kind of spitball ideas and he just out of nowhere <laughs> this is confirmed by like two or three of the writers out of nowhere Vince just goes what are you guys doing with Tyler Rex and apparently everybody just stops and they all kind of look around at each other and they go um nothing <laughs> he goes well he's debuting tonight and he's on the pay-per-view and he's taking Loki's spot everybody's like jaws dropped like what the hell <laughs> and so that was it i just got shoved out there feet in the fire it was time if it was do or die and apparently i did did decent because it went from smackdown to bragging rights and i hogged the entire first two or three minutes of bragging rights with john morrison and santino i remember I remember big show <laughs> from the corner being like hey you fuckers gonna let anybody else in here <laughs> nope. <laughs> <I'm taking this>. <laughs> <laughs> he was mad he was so mad at me. He's like, are we going to get to wrestle? Or are you guys going to take the whole thing? So, I, tell, I, tell you what, I, I was in a couple of pay-per-views after that. So it, it, I think they liked it. Let's put one of your matches onto the desert island. Uh, so okay. I think that'd be nice to do. So obviously, uh, Bragging Rights is a debut that kind of came uh, out of nowhere. Do you have a favorite match that you had in WWE? That I had in yeah. WWE? Oh, I've got a couple. I think that, I mean, Bragging Rights was obviously one of them because it was just so explosive it was my first pay-per-view ever it, it came out of nowhere and um you know i was in there with all these superstars a lot of the guys i had been in fcw with some i hadn't you know like big show and cena uh ray ray was in there as well jomo i'd known jomo from backstage for for quite a while alberto del rio was in there so you know we had we had a great you know it was six on each side so we had, we had 12 superstars in there I remember they told me to start the match. I'm like, okay. So I started with Jomo and Jomo wanted to do all this cool shit. I was like, awesome, dude, let's do it. And uh, we, we got off hot. He did all these tricks and all these fun things. Um, and eventually, you know, I just beat the piss out of him. He tags out to Santino and Santino comes in and this is when he was doing that Cobra gimmick, you know, <laughs> just, just like, yeah, <laughs> Santino is just such a character. It's so easy to beat the piss out of. So I beat the piss out of him. <laughs> it was the first time I got a chance to use the burning hammer in a pay-per-view. So uh, burning hammer at Santino eliminated him. And I think, uh, I think Seamus came in right after that, if I remember right. And uh, we went at it for a minute or two. And then uh, I tagged out. I'm like, nope, not happening. And then match goes on. It's going great. I remember I tagged in at one point. Uh, I think it was feeding for Ray. 
is what it was. I was feeding for Ray's comeback. And I ended up uh, getting eliminated. I think it was by Ray or maybe by, uh, might've been by Miz. I don't, I don't remember, but it, long story short, you know, they, they ran the heat. I ran the, I ran the opening. They ran the heat. I fed for an amazing comeback from Ray Ray, which by the way, he's as light as you think he is. Like yeah. that dude is a featherweight, you know, <laughs> like some guys can be his size and be a sack of shit in the ring. And you're like, God, you weigh 400 pounds. How is that possible? <laughs> you know, but Ray, he's so easy to work with. It was insane. Uh, so that, you know, that, that match went down in my head is just like, you know, incredible experience, just pops all around. Uh, producers were so happy with the way it went. So that that was logged in my mind for eternity. It's but, a uh, heck of a match. Yeah, we, we had another one that we did. I don't know. Do you want to segue to the, the, the other one? The second yeah, one? Let's do, wanna... Yeah, let's do the other one. We're just, we're just freewheeling it today. It's great. Yeah, like, why not? <laughs> That's what I do. I just come in and throw a wrench in everybody's system. They're like, huh, this chick. <laughs> uh, so... Hawkins and I had been demoted to NXT a long time ago. And this was that is before... the vibe at the time that it was a demotion. Oh God. Yeah. So remember, this isn't the current NXT. Mm. This is the, I, 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 I hesitate to call it the C show. It was all internet. You know, this is just when WWE was kind of looking at it. Like the internet isn't a good thing. We don't like it. And they're going, eh, we're going to try it with NXT. And so NXT was literally just an internet show at the time. It had no home on a network. It was like, obviously, developmental talent, the superstars of tomorrow is what they kind of quoted it as. And we were we were demoted. So <laughs> um, we were demoted separately to NXT. Hawkins comes to me and he goes, hey, look, we're in the same boat, dude. If we don't do something, we're going to get fired. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, he goes, you want to tag? Like, sure. So we start tagging and we we just our vibe was just instantaneously awesome in the ring. We we fed off each other, we flowed really well in the ring. So we started working our way through NXT, finally back on to superstars. And we were having some some banger matches. We were the producers were loving it. And we ended up with a T segment with Kofi and Bourne. And so when it was air, when it was um what do they call them? I don't. I don't remember. Maybe it was. It was just air, Kofi. Air boom, maybe. Air, air boom. boom. That's what it was. It. <laughs> air boom. <laughs> I could. I couldn't I find my keys this morning, but I could remember what Evan Bourne and Kofi Kingston's tag team was called in 2007. I mean, <laughs> you're just a walking encyclopedia. I love uh, it. Sadly, so. <laughs> so they tell us we got two segs, which is great for a tag team match on superstars against the current champions. We're like you want us to have a match on superstars against the current champs? We're like no problem. And it's Kofi and Bourne. We had each worked at them a million times separately. We'd worked with them on house shows. Uh, so, you know, we knew everything was going to go really good. And I think Hawkins started the match. He's always great for, he's always so good at starting because he bumps like it ain't nobody's business. Like I think he's one of the best bumpers in the business he he can make anybody look amazing. And, you know, even though Kofi and Bourne are smaller than him, he's he's such a creative genius. He's set up so many things just to 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 make himself look like that heel. So they came in, beat the piss out of him. He freaks out, tags me in. And I think I was in there with uh with Kof. And Kofi just does some tricky stuff, gets me down, takes me to the corner, and they do their like double kick behind my leg to cut me down which I love because they kept me big. 
and I was six, two, it was 260 pounds at the time. It's like, they didn't just try to give me an arm drag. Like a lot of guys would, or try to just take me down. They really thought about that, what they were doing. And then they worked me down slow, like double kick to the back of the leg. And they took off running, you know, double something to me to keep, to keep me down. But, um, we finally get to the, the, the heat and, uh, the go home spot was just freaking incredible. We had, we had, we went to the, went, went to commercial break. We come back and the entire second segment, like most of the eight minutes that we had in this, it was like two, eight minute segments. It was so long. We're like, this is unheard of for superstars. And we, we realized they were kind of test driving, like what we could do on SmackDown with, you know, a two segment match with two, eight minute segments. So, which would be like a championship match. And we kept it short after commercial and we went right to the go home. So we, we did like a six minute go home with them, which was, you know, usually you do three or four. We did a six minute and we built in all these falsies with them, which the crowd just really loved. And there was one point where uh, I, I was on the outside of the apron and we did like a ghost tag kind of thing and Bourne didn't see it. I slid in, hit my finisher on Bourne and, uh, and the, the crowd, you could just tell they thought we were going over and getting the tag titles on superstars, which, you know, never happens, but you could just, you could feel it. It's like we had built in this falsy to the point where there was no, no hope of saving. Uh, I think Bourne put his, his leg on the rope or something. It was one of those, oh shit moments. Like, whoa, they almost had them. Uh, I got, I got the better of me. Hawkins tagged in, did another feed and it was over. And it was just like the pop on that match was one of the best I've ever heard. Like for Anytime I, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's guys that get huge pops, but for what I was doing, I was like the entire arena was behind us. I'm like that, that was a match to put down in, in the books for me. Oh, nice. So there was uh, you and you and Kurt Hawkins, like you say, you just clicked immediately there. There oh, yeah. was, there yeah. was reportedly some creative pitch for you guys that would see you potentially become strippers. Is there some truth to this or is this internet bluster? There is there is a lot of truth to that. Oh, yeah. excellent. So, yeah, you know, we were, this was shortly after the whole Kofi and Bourne thing. We just kept pitching and pitching and pitching and pitching. And this was right when uh, Hunter was taking over the creative department. So he became like chief creative officer at that time or director of create, creative. I don't remember what it was at that time, but we knew he was just getting corporate. He wasn't wearing jeans and a t-shirt backstage. He was in a suit and tie. We're like, who's this dude, you know? And so we start realizing what he's doing. And he comes to us like, hey, guys, let me talk to you. And <laughs> he he comes and he, he's like, so, you know, there's this movie Magic Mike out. And this is like the Magic Mike era. And remember, Nash was in the video. So Nash and Hunter are buddies. And so it's just eminent that, that Hunter loves the movie. I didn't, you know, it was a great movie for, for the women, at least <laughs> say it's a great movie, but just like, you know, the girls liked it. Mm. And he goes, I think we can do this. He goes, I think I got an idea. Like magic Mike's big. I think we can do something where it's like a kind of a, what do you call it? A male uh, expose. Is that, is that the correct term? Mm -hmm. Like when, when you go watch it in Vegas, they don't call it a strip show. They call it like a male expose or something like that. So uh, he kind of used that term and I look at Hawkins and Hawkins looks at me. He's like, I'm a little worried about this, uh, Hunter. And Hunter goes, look, guys, does it matter how you get over? He goes, once you're over, the rest is history. Like we can change your gimmick at that time. We just got to get you over with the crowd with something 
let's do this. Trust me on it. We'll get you over and then we can evolve from there. And Hawkins goes, okay, I trust you. So Hawkins had never danced a day in his life. Like the dude, two left feet, no rhythm whatsoever, right? And so we both independently, he's in Queens. I'm in California, outside San Francisco, like in Napa area. We talked the office into paying for dance lessons for us, for basically stripper lessons for us, like how to dance like uh, sexy stripper guys. And we went like multiple times a week to, you know, hour, hour and a half dance lessons to figure out how to do this. So after about a month and a half of doing it, getting our gear lined up, Hawkins had the cool idea to do like underwear style briefs, like like trunks. So they had all the seams on them and stuff, but it was just it was corny, but it was fun. And uh, they they marched us out on SmackDown and they gave us two two sets of local talents and uh, we beat the piss out of them each time. And it was exactly like, before we go out, Hunter calls us, uh, he goes, hey, look, Vince wants to talk to you before you guys go out and do this. This is the first time. So we go back into uh, the production area and Vince is there with Kevin and all the all the producers. And it was just one of those like, hey, you guys ready for this? We go, yeah. Are you comfortable with this? Yeah. Goes, okay. Well, let's go do it. So we go do it. And Hunter grabs us. He goes, look, just remember, half half the crowd is going to hate you. The guys are going to absolutely hate you for this. But the girls, the women, they should love you. And he goes, don't worry about the dudes. They're going to boo you. But the girls are going to love it. I go, okay. So we go out. We start doing our stripper. We got, like, we got full suits on. And we do our stripper gimmick. And the second the pants come off. I was making eye talk contact with all these females in the, in the audience that were sitting with their dudes. And you could just see them like, ah, like they start freaking out. They start putting their hands in there. And the guys are just sitting there with like their arms crossed, just all pissed off. Like, what the hell is this shit? You know, <laughs> you've got to get up on the, on the ring, uh, on the turnbuckles. And I start waving my freaking pants around in the air. And just, just like Hunter said, every female's freaking out and all the dudes are just pissed off. I'm like, Perfect. You got him. So we squashed local talent, did it again the week after that. And the week after I, I quit. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It was just as this, this gimmick that you'd, you poured a lot of time and energy into was just getting rolling. So this wouldn't have been, this wouldn't have been a, a, a sudden decision to make. Is this something that you'd pondered on for a while just to say goodbye? Uh, no, it was actually very sudden. It, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I well, it had been a couple of weeks of me just feeling bad about leaving home. My daughter was eight months old at the time. And she would leave. She couldn't quite say daddy yet. So she'd be like, dad, I don't leave. And then she cried. I was like, oh, like my heart was getting ripped out of my chest every time I had to leave. And slam, summer slam was uh, the weekend before. Well, slam happens on a Sunday. We drive to Fresno and then uh, raw was right after that. So it went uh, Staples Center over to Fresno for raw. And we are allowed to bring family to SummerSlam. It was kind of like, hey, you can bring the family. It's kind of like a family thing. We go, okay. But I didn't get any time with the family. Priscilla was just struggling. Mia, she was, she cried a lot as a, as a baby. She didn't sleep well for whatever reason. And I just felt horrible that I couldn't help. I'm like, I got a signing. I got a, I got an access event. I got to go here. I got, I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, babe. Like I got to go. And I just leave and Mia's crying the whole time. So it's ripping my heart out. And I drive to Fresno after slam she she ended up going home i think on a saturday my folks just happened to be driving through from seeing my brother in socal I'm like why don't you go home with my parents they'll drop you off at the house on the way she goes yeah i think that's a good idea so i watched her drive away and it just it tore my heart out so i kind of contemplated things at slam the next day because i didn't have a match and then i called her on the way to raw and i was like i think i'm gonna quit and she's like what they're just about to give you like your run and i'm like I, I can't be away from home. I'm not, I, I can't do it. So uh, I walked into the, the raw at Fresno and I grabbed Jane Gettys. I'm like, Hey, I need to talk to you. And she goes, okay, what's up? I'm like, uh, I'm I quit. She's like, what? She's like, what are you quitting? I'm like wrestling. And she looks at me and goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, I, I quit. I had to be, a, I got to be a parent. And she goes, well, is it about money? Do you need more money? And I, I look at her, I'm all, Girl, if I had known I just had to threaten to quit to get more money, I would have done this two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, I go, there's no amount of money you can pay me to change my mind. She goes, well, throw a number at me. And I look at her and I'm like, it's got six zeros behind it. She goes, no, you're right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Good luck being a parent. <laughs> yeah. She's like, enjoy being a parent. Have fun. So it was funny. I was backstage at, uh, at AEW last week and I saw Claudio. And you know, Claudio and I were on the road together a lot. Uh, and he, he actually remembered the exact arena that I, I left at. He goes, wasn't that Fresno? I go, holy crap. How do you, how do you remember that dude? You, you've been hitting the head for 10 years. I was hitting the head for four years. Like, how do you know the arena? He goes, I don't know. I got to think for remember every single arena. And I remember you saying bye to everybody. And I thought you, you know, I didn't understand what's going on. Like, and then I, I got it. Like you just, you literally walked out and quit. I, it was like mind blowing. And I was like, yeah, that's that was the arena. It was Fresno. Wow. And in your in your time away, uh, Gabe became Gabby. You are uh, Gabby mm -hmm. Tough now. And uh, 
when did you realize that out of interest when did you realize actually i'm gabby i'm not gabe oh god that was um late summer of the pandemic so it was uh late late summer 2020 is really what it was and i had been presenting female like at night after my daughter went to sleep for quite a while it'd been a couple years and during the pandemic though made it real easy because everybody's locked up at home there ain't nothing to do and uh it just kept happening more and more. It went from being like a once in a blue moon kind of thing, like once every three, six months to once every three months to once a month to once a week to every day. And there was just this massive realization that when I was in those few hours that I could just be me, it was that person inside of me screaming to be let out and so i just it's one day i had this massive realization that being gabe in the daytime was the show and gabby in those few hours that was who i was really supposed to be and if you were to ask me if you were to say well you know do you think you were born this way do you think uh do you think something happened i couldn't give you a straight answer to that i've been searching for that answer for three years all I know is that it was one of those things I was suicidal. If I, if I couldn't live my life as a woman, I didn't want to live. And I have no idea like why I felt that way. A friend of mine over here in the UK, a, a fabulous radio presenter by the name of Stephanie Hurst, uh, has a journey so similar to yours. Uh, a lot of people okay. knew him, uh, knew her as Simon, uh, as Hursty, as the host of a massive breakfast show here in the UK. Oh. And, uh, and in the same thing you said, you've said here, she has said as well that during the day she played Hursty, but but in her free time, she was Stephanie. And it was only when she finally right. stepped away from radio that she was able to be become herself and go through the process to full time become Stephanie Hurst. Yeah, yeah. It's such an interesting process. And I think everybody's story is different. I, you know, again, I, I had tendencies when I was very young up until like preteen uh, to, you know, present in female clothes. Like I would sneak into my mom's closet when nobody was home and wear her clothes around the house and just, but I was so scared of getting caught. And, uh, you know, kids used to beat the crap out of other kids in my time because I was born in 78. I'm a kid of the, I'm a literal kid of the 80s. I'm Gen X. Like if you acted feminine anyway, like you got the crap kicked out of you. So, you, you know, I learned really quick. That's not okay. in in our society, like when I, when I grew up. But it's such a strange, like looking back and being more balanced now, like none of my hormones are balanced out and everything. When I look back, I'm just like, why did I feel this way? And I don't regret it in any means. It's just, I could not put a finger on it. If I, if I, you know, somebody was like, so what, what was the, you know, what made you do this? Why do you think you did it? I couldn't tell you, (laughs) like honestly couldn't tell you. Uh, you 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 have gone through uh, the process and you become Gabby. Now you are very much the the person you always wanted to be, and you're getting back into wrestling now as well. In, I'm intrigued in terms of uh, physically how that has been because the last time you wrestled, you were Tyler Rex, you were Gabe, yep. and now you're Gabby. How has that been? Yeah, it's been. Different, I will tell you, going from, uh, you know, at my peak, I was 280 pounds and about 6% body fat. When I was wrestling, it was more like 260. But there was a lot of muscle on that big frame I had. And I've lost about 110, 115 pounds of muscle. So I, I weigh in about 188 right now. So there is a huge, and I've, I've so much muscle has been lost and more body fat on the body, obviously. 
when I when I took that first bump, I think my soul left my body. <laughs> it's just you don't have the protection of all the muscle that I that you know the normal male would have. And I swear, I just felt my soul shake. Same with running the ropes. I mean, everything everything hurts a little more. And I, I, I'd like to say uh, it's not because I'm 45 years old, but <laughs> I honestly think it's just nah, different. Nah, it's not that. You're fine. <laughs> you know, one thing I do recognize, though, is that I still, I still have a male bone structure. I'm very aware of that. And I do have far more muscle mass on my body than the average female. Like, far more. I still move like a guy when it comes to executing moves in the ring. And I think that's going to be the hardest thing for me to overcome. And it's not that I'm trying to fake anything. It's just in the presentation of wrestling and entertainment and trying to find my, my niche, there are feminine aspects of what I do, but there are also just very killer aspects in me still. So, you know, when I was working, um, I worked Caitlin, my first day back, uh, Sting's daughter-in-law, and she's six feet tall. She's a cis woman, natural born female six feet tall tiny tiny mm -hmm. i had to be so careful with her but, but i remember working girls back in fcw like we always try we roll around the ring together we do drills with them same thing just got to be careful um and then i went to the dungeon trained with natalia Nightheart, uh trained with b fab Liv morgan bunch of others that were there carlito was there orlando was there as well and dawkins was there <clears throat> excuse me but the difference is night and day when you work with the female and you work with the male, like, I can lay my shit in with a guy, not feel bad about it. When I was working Liv, you know, Liv's a fraction of my size. I had to be careful, but she is a powerhouse. Too. It's like, she is not afraid to lay her shit in, which I love. And she's quick. She's efficient. She's, I mean, her, her in-ring talent is absolutely incredible, but learning, learning to move differently now has definitely been my biggest challenge and adjusting to to everything I do and trying to add those those aspects that are more me less less Rex and more Gabby has been been the big challenge where would you like to see your wrestling career go in 2024 because now we're back and we're training where do you see it moving towards to the top honey mm -hmm. I don't yes. I don't think let, let, let me just let me say this no one in their right mind, and not to say that I'm in my right mind, because, you know, one, I transitioned, <laughs> but two, you have to have a screw loose to do wrestling in the first place. But nobody steps back into the ring after 12 years of being away and letting their body heal to just half-ass something. I have huge things in store, and I'm not coming back to be low card or mid card. I am coming back to be at the very top. And to do that, you have to have one hell of a mind for entertainment. And that is something I have. You got to know who you are. You got to know your value. And that is nothing that can be taken away from me now. I've been through multiple businesses, a gender transition. I've lost it all. And in that process, I found who I was, shockingly. But I know exactly who I am. I know exactly who I am in the ring, even though I'm figuring out some mechanics. Who I am in the ring and what is about to happen the internet community is going to piss themselves when they see it. <laughs> We're excited to piss ourselves, Gavin. <laughs> well, bring your diapers. <laughs> uh, we want people to, to keep tabs on you as your journey continues. Where are the best places that people can go to follow you, Gavin? 
Social media, all of my handles are Gabby Tuft, G-A-B-B-I Tuft. Uh, TikTok is where I do a lot of my uh, a lot of my wrestling stuff. It's also Instagram, though. I kind of post similar stuff back and forth. On Instagram, you're going to get more of my, my photos, uh, but it's the same videos you get on TikTok. So follow me either place. Uh, Twitter is much more wrestling-centric than anything else. I kind of keep my Twitter. Or, well, we're calling it X now, right? It's X. I still call it Twitter. So, so yeah, Twitter is Gabby Tuft as well. Uh, you'll see more wrestling stuff from me there. Uh, but follow on all the socials. If somebody's looking for coaching, I coach 99% uh, female demographic, and that website is coachgabby.com. Amazing. This has been so long in the making. And and I want to sp- say a special thank you because I know how busy you are. And and thank according you. to Court your and your PR team, this is your lunch break. Uh, that we are speaking. <laughs> it is literally, uh, I'm a 16 hour a day work girl. That's not a terrible God. I work 16 <laughs> hours a day. I have to take There's your first no answer. Get me. Room, I promise. <laughs> red lights first danger as we were all to learn from Billy Ocean. Uh, no, so I, for that and plus you've got family visiting as well. Your mom is there as well. So really? I've got practice tonight. I'm at Rhodes Wrestling Academy tonight. So I'm beating the piss out of uh, Dustin's students tonight. So <laughs> I got stuff. I, I won't be done. I went back in the house and taking a shower until almost 11 o'clock tonight. Well, I am very grateful that you you blocked out a bit of your lunchtime lunchtime to have a chat with us. So thank you so much. Uh, And when you're a little bit quieter, when the dust settles a little bit, hopefully you're going to be busy for a long time. But if we get an opportunity when your dust settles, we'd love to chat again. That'd be really nice. Absolutely. It'd It'd be an honor. I would love to chat again. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 